1: We see this all throughout the New Testament. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, you don't need to take your wallets, you don't even need sandals, leave everything you got, I got your back. I'm gonna take care of you. When God orders it, he pays the way. When we do it our way, when we do our own thing, you better be ready, because you're responsible for the consequences.
0: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect
1: For others of you, it's just saying, hey, stick in this marriage that doesn't seem like it's working right now, and give your best for God's glory, because he wants to honor this. For others of you, it's saying, give it, give God glory in your work life or as a student so that you can be a witness for him. For others, he's telling you to cross the street to your neighbors or in the classroom to that other student or in the office to that coworker and be a witness. Let them see what God has done in your life. Say, I don't know how to do that. Well, welcome to the club. Maybe you just start by giving them a two-sentence recap of what God taught you at church, and if they seem receptive, say, hey, let me just tell you more about what God's doing in my life. But find ways to be obedient. Where's God calling you to go? Who's he calling you to make a difference with? You know why we don't do this? I'm, I'm really convinced that generally there are three reasons that we're not more obedient to God's call of living out our faith. I think we're afraid of being hurt. That goes back to our comfort. What happens? What if I get rejected? What if my feelings get hurt? Or we're, we don't want to be considered too holy. I, I, this is kind of new thought for me because I, I just don't think that way because I'm a pastor but I realize I, I heard that recently well I don't want them to think I'm trying to be holier than thou but the third reason is sometimes we just don't think we know what to do we don't know what to say when God calls you to be a witness he's not asking you to be a theologian To teach seminary, all a witness does is testify to what you've seen and experienced. If God has transformed your life, just be willing to tell somebody, hey, I don't understand it all, but the God of the universe changed me. In The last service, I I had a chance to baptize little Dylan. Dylan Salmon. Dylan's a little boy. And when I prayed with him and his mom before we walked out in the baptistry, this is what I prayed. God, there's no way that Dylan fully understands all he needs to know about you at his young age because I don't even understand it all now and I'm getting older. But God, I pray that you take this moment where Dylan is and help it not to be looked back with doubt in the future. Help him to remember that all he needed at this moment was to step out in faith and trust you for what you did on the cross for his sins. So maybe you're there, you don't have all the answers, and you just trust God with his mysteries, but you step out and say, God, use me. Now, why is this so important? Because is God communicating with you like he does Jonah? What do you think? Do you think God has a call for you just like he did Jonah? This means yes, class, this means no. Class participation, please. Of course he does. We already have. It's better. Because ours is written in your language. Listen to what it says in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always through the end of the age. God didn't stutter. He didn't stammer. He didn't skip a beat when he was trying to tell you what you needed to do. He wants you to be a part of the disciple-making process. If you are a Christ follower, I don't care if you're a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. I don't care if you're a school teacher, if you're a lawyer, if you're a medical doctor. Whatever you do to pay the bills does not exempt you from being a faithful discipler of those that you come in contact with. That's your call as a Christ follower. So why don't we? For Jonah... I'm going to tell you, Jonah didn't do it for a couple of the reasons I think that keep us from doing it today. Be careful here. Jonah didn't do it because of nationalism and isolationism. He he was all about protecting Israel. He was all about everybody in Israel getting right with God. But God, you know these Assyrians, we're going to see his mentality. He didn't like them. In fact, I'm just telling you what he was thinking. When it came to Assyria, Jonah felt like they can go to hell. I want to tell you something, church. It's pretty cool that God allowed me to be born in God-blessed America. I love our nation. I think there's an appropriate place for patriotism and being grateful for those that have gone before us and fought for the freedoms. But if ever we get our priorities so misplaced that we become nationalistic or isolated when it comes to our faith, and we don't see the people of the world the way that God sees the people of the world, and we don't reach out and love them as the God who loved them so much that he gave his son if that becomes a reality in our little corner of the world we have messed up big time and that was the case that was the case for Jonah see when we rebel against God's word and his will we should expect the consequences will affect our way of living I want to read verse three again and I want you to get a couple truths out of this. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Side note, we don't really know who wrote Jonah. It's hard to think that it was actually Jonah because he doesn't always paint himself in the best light. Um, whoever wrote it was saying here, When he fled, make no mistake, he was fleeing the presence of God. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. Remember when you said that? Say it again. He paid the fare. And he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. God called him to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was in what is modern day Iraq. Jonah would have lived in where the area that Jesus actually ministered. He would have lived in Israel in what is Galilee. It was about a 500 mile journey to the east to go to Nineveh, Mosul, Iraq of today. What did Jonah do? He went the exact opposite direction. He took a 180-degree turn, and he said, I think I'm going to go this way. Actually, he turned south first, and he went to the city of Joppa. Joppa was the port there on the Great Sea, and there on the Great Sea, you can still go there today. I was there in the beginning of June. I was in Joppa, and we were looking out at the beach, and, and, and the beautiful beach, and all that we saw there, just as Jonah was in that day. And as he was there on the beach, I don't know how this happened, but he, he found out this ship was going to Tarshish. Tarshish, don't you just like say say that? Say Tarshish. It's kind of fun. This was not a 500 mile journey. This was a one year journey by sea. It was a little almost deserted island off of the coast of Spain. He was trying to get as far away from God as possible. If Nineveh was obedience, Tarshish was disobedience. If Nineveh was God's way, Tarshish was his way. God said go, Jonah said no, God said east, Jonah said west. We all have a decision to make. Am I going to go to Nineveh or am I going to go to Tarshish? God's way or our way? And when God's calling you in your faith, again, if if I accept the principle that this is just not going to be an easy life, that sometime I'm going to have to step outside of my comfort zone, I want to tell you four ways He's going to challenge you when He's working. First of all, He's going to challenge your convictions. What do you really believe about me? Then he's going to challenge your compassion. What do you really love most? Then he's going to challenge your comfort. What are you willing to give up so that you can go up? And and then he's going to challenge um, your commitment. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Now just think about that. That's scriptural. Not just walking down an aisle or raising a hand or getting dunked in some water and and I've got fire insurance. No, the scriptural path is that this answer to God's call is going to cost me. God calls us, it always challenges us. And so Jonah rejected it. And the Bible says he went down. (laughs) Now that's literally true geographically on the map. He went down from Galilee to Joppa. But it's also true Spiritually. When we rebel, when we're disobedient to God, it's a downward spiral. And as the old preachers used to say, that downward spiral of sin always takes us further than we want to go. It always costs us more than we want to pay. And it always keeps us longer than we want to stay. He went down to Joppa. And then we get to that part that I've had you repeat twice. He paid the fare. Say that again, say he paid the fare. fare. Why do you think I'm asking you to repeat that? I want you to understand something simple and true. When it comes to God's will, if he orders it, he'll take care of the bill. But when you do things your way, you're gonna have to pay for the cost. If God asks you to do something, We see this all throughout the New Testament. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, you don't need to take your wallets, you don't even need sandals, leave everything you got, I got your back. I'm gonna take care of you. When God orders it, he pays the way. When we do it our way, when we do our own thing, you better be ready. Because you're responsible for the consequences. If you've just joined
0: us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
1: So what happened with Jonah? Jonah went, he paid the bill, and he got on a ship. Now we're looking at this thousands of years later in a negative light, but I want you to think about Jonah. Jonah was like any good old Baptist. He walked up and went, Oh, well, they had a ticket on the boat. It must have been God's will. Because that's the way you work. I don't know where in church we trained us to work this way, but we are so messed up when it comes to spiritual things. If we drive into Publix and there is a parking place, we go, oh, look, a close parking place. Must have been God's will. <laughs> the circumstances of life don't necessarily dictate God's will in our lives. Just because the circumstances are working out, don't assume you're walking with God. There will always be ships to Tarshish available. But listen, just because the boat is in the dock, it doesn't mean that God is in the boat. Learn to listen and discern God's will. Well, what's the consequences of uh, Jonah's decision? You see that there in the verses we read? There's a storm. And if you hang out here very much, you know one of the things I like to remind us is we're in one of three categories. We've either just come out of a storm, we're in the midst of a storm, or we're headed into a storm. Well, in this case, the Bible is very explicit God sends the storm. Now I think the Bible is also clear. All the storms we face are not because of the hand of God. But it's certain that sometimes in life, the difficulties we're facing are because of the consequences of our disobedience and our rebellion. And God either allows or sends a storm to what the New Testament calls discipline his children. So you walking through a financial storm. First thing you need to do is step back and say, God, have I been obedient to what you've already told me to do? You're walking through a relational storm. The first thing you need to do, don't point the finger at somebody else. Step back and say, God, am I being obedient to what I know you've already called me to do? You're walking through a storm in your workplace. Don't pout and get your feelings hurt and quit. First thing you need to do is look into God's word and look at your life and say, God, am I being obedient to what you've called me to do and according to your will? And we can go on and on in every area of your life. Don't miss this. When you find yourself in the middle of life storms, it's appropriate to ask whether or not God sent the storm. God loves us and he doesn't want to punish us, but he is holy and he always punishes sin. And our sin as Christ followers was ultimately punished on the cross of Calvary through the death of Jesus Christ. But the consequences of our sinful choices here on this side of heaven will sometimes still be realized. And you see that all throughout the Bible, by the way. The New Testament calls King David a man after God's own heart. But after David's sin, he lived a life of misery in many ways as a consequence to the sinful choices that he experienced. In this particular case, just think about what God was willing to do. He was willing to do this. He was willing to tear that boat into sticks. He was Willing to drown all those sorry, idol-worshiping worshiping mariners. Not the Seattle mariners, but the mariners on the boat. And he was willing to kill Jonah. When God speaks his word and his will into our life, we have to learn to take it seriously. Because when God wants you to get out of your comfort zone, he will do it one way or the other. I wish, you could see, I wish you could see what I see because we're a multi-generational church and there are people of all different ages and, and some who have hair like mine and they live a little life. When I said those words, you're just sitting there just shaking your heads because when God wants to get us out of our comfort zone, he will do it one way or the other. You can't run from God. Psalms 139 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I free from your presence? It goes on to say um, in, in verse nine, if I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. You know what I've learned? Sometimes God would rather sink the ship than allow me to arrive at my destination. Proverbs put it this way, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end of it leads to death. So so each of us should just ask this morning, are there any attitudes or actions in my life that are inviting the wrath of God? Again, don't confuse this with our salvation. When Jesus died on the cross once and for all, he bore the wrath, the anger of God. But our sin still angers God. Is there anything I'm doing that's unchecked in my life that's causing anger for the holy God? Let me give you one last thought. One of the greatest consequences of our rebellion is the impact it has on the people around us in our little corner of the world. All right, here's a pop test. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you it was coming, but I need you to respond. All you have to say is true or false. This is a true or false test you have to answer out loud. It's based on stuff we've already talked about. Okay, you ready? Jonah was not a rookie prophet. Yes, you listen. I would have been so discouraged if you'd have gotten that wrong. But you're listening. No, he was not a rookie prophet. He was the man of God, and God always has a plan for his man of God. But where was the man of God? The idol worshipers on the boat were praying, and the man of God was sleeping. The one who knew the answers was asleep on the job. The one who could have pointed those on the boat to the hope and the way of salvation was asleep. Oh, friends, I hear that and I just think... Remember, we all have responsibilities as followers of Christ. Is it possible that God is calling us to make a difference for his glory right here, right now, in our generation, in our corner of the world, but we're asleep on the job. By Jonah's casual inactivity, he's denying perishing men the opportunity for the hope of the Lord's salvation. And you may not be living a life of active sin, but by your casual inactivity in your faith journey, you may be sidling idly by while your neighbors and your coworkers and your classmates and those in our little corner of the world are headed to a destination that's separated from the love of God. So they came to Jonah and they said, cry out to your God. And what you're going to see is that Jonah did. But the one he claimed to worship, he wasn't even walking with. And didn't have the impact he wanted. And that just reminds me, when we come into settings like this, it doesn't matter how emotional we get or if we raise our hand, if we're excited about what's taking place, if we're not walking with the one we're worshiping, our worship may be on deaf ears. Let me give you this thought, because it speaks to what Jonah experienced. There's a lie in our society that a lot of us have bought. It goes like this. My sin is my business. I'm not hurting anybody else but myself. I just got to sow my wild oats. I just got to do my thing. It's a lie. The truth is, when we, when we stand and step outside of the will of God, even as Christ followers, we become a burden, not a blessing, to those around us. And I think for true revival to take place among Christ followers, it's, it's when we begin to take responsibility for, for our lives and realize the impact we're having on others. So remember that truth I started about when God speaks his will into our lives and we respond with disobedience, we enter into a state of rebellion and invite consequences that negatively affect us and everyone else in our little corner of the world? Is that... Is that making a difference in your life today? Is there something God's asking you to do that you're not doing? Have have you walked away from something that He once made clear? I want to tell you the rest of the story that I started a little bit ago. I was seven years old. I, I actually for most of my adult life I've not liked telling my testimony because I I really know that I came to Christ as a child and it's very undramatic. I mean, I, I wasn't doing much. I, I wasn't even smoking my Crayolas. I mean <laughs> But as I've reflected back on it, even when I've made sinful choices, I've really wrestled with was I saved, and and I really do believe I was. But that decision, again, made it so that everything after that's a consequence. Then, at the end of my junior year in college, I surrendered to God's call to, to give my life to him vocationally. And that decision changed everything as well. And so I've had some stinky times in life. The worst I've caused by my own choices. I think that's true of all of us. We're the worst enemy any of us have. So my sinful choices have caused the worst pain I've experienced. But I have to be honest, I've spent 25 years serving the church, different churches, different places. And there's been some stinky stuff. I've seen hurt, I've had my feelings hurt, I've had people say things that are untrue and unkind, I've been disappointed and felt like a failure. I've had Sundays where I thought, hello, I see dead people, and and wondering if anybody's listening, and kind of wanting to drive over where, and just, just, I wanted to quit, but I haven't quit by God's grace. And here's why. Because I know that when God calls me to do something, I have to be faithful if I want to experience his blessings. If he calls me to do something and I quit just because of my feelings, then I've removed myself from the presence of God just as clearly as Jonah did when he got on that boat. So Christ follower, I don't know how many more times I can ask you. Do you get the picture? What is it that God's saying, get up, get going, and get after it?
0: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at MissionHillChurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to MissionHillChurch.com and click on the Give tab.